Hi there, and welcome to the October edition of DistilleryTours.Scot podcast, giving you that wee extra insight into Scotland's whisky distilleries. It was my absolute pleasure to speak to Jamie Morrison, Global Brand Ambassador of the Glenturret Distillery. He tells us all about the history of Scotland's oldest working distillery. He also told us about Glenturret's whisky expressions and their extremely rare range. And we also talk about the amazing Michelin-starred restaurant that I've actually got at the distillery, Lalique. Thanks for listening, and I'll leave you to Jamie. Angels Share Glassware, proud sponsors of distillerytours.scot podcast series. To see our full range, go to angelssharegloss.com. Hi there everybody and welcome to the distillerytours.scot October podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Glenturret's very own Jamie Morrison, a global brand ambassador, who will be talking all things Glenturret. Jamie, absolutely delighted to speak to you again. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm very good, thank you. It's um, my pleasure to be here and to, to be talking to you again. No, listen, we're, we're absolutely delighted. We did speak to you a couple of years ago, but there's been kind of massive changes at, at, at Glenturret, massive, massive new launches and the small matter of you having a, a new kind of a, a Michelin-starred restaurant. But I thought we would start by maybe if you could tell us a wee bit about yourself first. Yeah, sure, no problem at all. So, um, I started working at Glen Turret Distillery in 2015 as part of the, the tour guide hosting team. Um, I found it, I, I loved it. I fell in love with the, the process of it, the romanticism of whiskey, the, the location, uh, not to mention the whiskey itself. So I, I've done various positions at the distillery, um, from duty manager to assistant manager of the visitor centre. And um, when the company was taken over um, in 2018 into 19, there was a clear need for a brand ambassador um, as we wanted to grow the brand. And I'd been doing that job kind of unofficially in some ways, uh, trade show events, masterclasses, etc. So I applied for the role as global brand ambassador um, and I was lucky enough to, to get that job in 2019. Then of course the world changed, as we all know. Um, so I, I went nowhere for the first year, which is, is uh, yeah, I got zoomed around the place, which uh, was fine. But yeah, started going out and about traveling um, in 2021. And um, yeah, I've kind of never really stopped since. So yeah, I love what I do. Listen, if you've never been to a Glenturret distillery, you need to go set in some of the, the most incredible scenery. Now, listen, there's been loads happening at the distillery as well. Could you tell us about the kind of what's been happening in the whisky side over the last couple of years? Because I know that you've now got a new kind of big and enhanced kind of core range along with the triple wood. There's a whole host of other kind of expressions and finishes being launched. There's the, the, the listeners would love to be able to hear what's been happening. So we embarked on our maiden release under the new ownership, um, where we completely rechanged everything. Effectively, we relaunched or rejuvenated the brand. Um, the thing is, when you're when you're working with a distillery um, as Scotland's oldest working distillery with that history and heritage attached to it, you you have to really think quite 
carefully and considerately about, about what that range looks like. So we, we brought on a whisky maker um, full-time full uh, at the distillery, based at the distillery, um, Bob Delgarno, so synonymous with the whisky industry, um, has been in the whisky industry for more years than I've been alive, but don't tell him that. But he basically, we, we looked into the stocks that we had available to us and, and we really thought long and hard about what that range was going to look like. And we, we wanted to have something for, for everyone within the range. Um, and of course, we we wanted to be able to show the best representation of the each bottling um, that we could. We're very much a liquid-driven distillery. Um, and quality over quantity, one could say, um, because we produce everything in small batches. Overall, we only produce 200,000 litres per year of alcohol. Um, so the new range uh, has been added to over the past few years. Um, so the 2023 release, we start off with our triple wood which is our non-age statement introduction to our world, if you like. It's the, the whiskey that's the closest relative to the new mix spirit that we produce. So that's 43%. Um, triple wood, of course, three cast types, American Oak Bourbon, American Oak Sherry, and European Oak Sherry Seasoned Casks. So it's a nice mellow sweetness. There's quite a nice bit of wood spice comes through from it, from the European Oak, and it's got a real nice fruity character, which is it resembles our new mix spirit quite a lot. So then we move into what you could say is the, the smokier side of what we do as a distillery, because um, we produce peated and unpeated spirit. So we've got a seven years old peat smoked whiskey, um, and that is for 2023, uh, the second incarnation of the peat smoked seven years old. Um, it was launched last year as part of the range. So it's 46% ABV, um, no chill filtered, no, sorry, non-chill filtered, and it's a combination of both unpeated and peated spirit together in the vatting. Um, so for me, it's a very much a, a, an introduction to the smokier side of Glen Turret. But you know, if you're if you're you, of that way that you think all all whiskey can be peated or not, um, we kind of we kind of look at it slightly different at Glen Turret. That depending on where the peat's coming from, how much of the barley you're peating, all of these influences all come together to to create something quite interesting. Um, so we kind of because we put the two spirit types together, we see a, a bit of a different element of smoky flavour and because the smoke is a little sometimes a little bit tempered by the unpeated spirit that influence of smoke changes year on year um, so it's quite interesting to be able to go back and look at the 21 release for example or the 22 release and just just see the slight nuanced difference and of course um, then we have the 10 years old peat smoke so slightly higher ABV it's 48.4 this year um, it's refill cast driven uh, both across American and European oak and again a combination of both spirit types um, quite a little bit, bit of a heavier smoke, the 10 years old. Still continuing to have that sort of sweet citrus vanilla note running through it. Um, and dare I say it, there's a, there's a slight salted caramel note comes through for me. But yeah, uh, the 12 years old is part of our core range. It's um, possibly what you would class as the quintessential whiskey drinker's dram. So 46.4% uh, driven by both American and European oak sherry seasoned casks. So very rich, quite heavy on the palate uh, in terms of uh, sort of viscosity. It's quite thick and oily. 
you get really nice sort of rich raisin sultana nice cinnamon notes come through bits of ginger here and there um, and a nice kind of hedgerow fruity note um, so for me again the 12 years old is, is, is everything you want from a whiskey really natural colour nice and dark and rich great dram for, for, for sitting by uh, a the, fire yeah well I mean uh, it's like, I think it shows a softer kind of side of what sherry maturation can be so yeah sitting with a good fiction book and a, a wee Miles Davis LP is ideal for the 12 years old for me I have to say so it sounds incredible actually to be I mean it sounds like my kind of whiskey as well yeah well it's, it's definitely there's always an open bottle of 12 years old in my house that's that's for sure um, <laughs> moving on from there we've got the 15 years old so the 15 years old is driven from only six casks um, varying in size from like a quarter cask right up to a butt again European and American oak the 15 years old is 50.8% so a little bit higher in ABV it's not cask strength slightly under cask strength but again very elegant at that, that strength um, there's no harsh notes from it at all got a nice kind of toffee spongy kind of apple summer fruit kind of note coming through loads of eight uh, aged oak notes coming through in the back and a really long lingering finish um really really like the 15 years old this year and again from there that's that, that's probably what we would class as our core range and then we've got what we call the extremely scarce range and when we say extremely scarce we're, we're talking about genuine scarcity for example our 25 years old there's only 210 bottles in the world um, and when we say 210 there's not an extra 4,000 in the cupboard we can use on standby there's only 210 so you're working with very very finite stock levels so therefore we Glintarit will never be available everywhere but we're, we're opening up new markets etc and, and we find that on the whole what we're doing as a distillery is, is being relatively well received so we're, we're very humbled by that so the, the 25 years old is cask strength at 42.2% as I mentioned there's only 210 bottles and 25 year old is it's almost um, like it's understood it's just kind of unassuming uh, in its approach, if, you, if that makes sense. In many ways, it commands respect as being a quarter of a century old, but it's seen a lot of things coming and going. But it's, it's at the end of the day, it's only curated into the final bottling from six casks. So you're, you're, you're looking at really quite um, historic liquid sitting there. I mean, when you start talking about a quarter of a century, I mean, it's quite a significant amount of time. Um, and the 25-year-old sits nicely in, inside the, the, scare, the genuine scarce range. From there... We move into the 30 years old, which for me is like a, a big massive bowl of tropical fruit salad. Um, so think, you know, pieces of mango, bit of bit ripening bananas, there's, there's a wee bit of kind of brandy snap note comes through, bit of compote, um, vanilla notes, and it's just so subtle. Um, the 30 years old, very fresh, very vibrant, quite surprisingly so actually, after that 30 odd years of maturation, you would, you'd expect it to be a bit more dark and intense, but the 30 year old is very delicate and elegant again. Sorry, what, what kind of casks is the, the, the 25 and 30 year old finished in? We tend not to do a lot of finishing. Um, we tend to go um, all or nothing um, right. for, for, for the for the, the maturation. But the 25 year old has got American oak sherry seasoned butts in it. It's also got, um, well, it's got two different types of American, sorry, European oak sherry butts from different cooperages that we work with. And it also has some American oak sherry firkins um, and has got a couple of refill gasks in it. So that's the, the, the makeup of the 25 year old. And then the 30, year old um is is is, is um, again it's got a little bit 
of refill cask. It's got a little bit of Oloroso sherry. Um, it has a little bit of Amontillado sherry in it as well. So you get a nice, a nice sort of a red fruit note, um, as well as the fact that it's been rounded off or, or finished in a port pipe. So you get lots and lots of those juicy big red apple notes coming through, which which oh, it's just it's just an incredible dram. And then the finally the 35 years old is a new release for this year for the 2023 range. So it's a single cask bottling. Um, there's only 185 bottles. Cask strength 42%. It was chosen for its almost complex personality. To be honest, it, it is a, an, a European oak sherry. But however, alongside that expectation from European oak of the dried fruits, the spices, the the, the kind of you know that that kind of sherry driven f uh, flavour, you you also get a real kind of tropical fruit and really quite interesting vanilla notes fleeting through. So which is more commonly derived from American oak. So we we chose it because it was quite unusual. And of course, yeah, three and a half decades sitting in the warehouse. It's pretty much a gift really, um, multi-faceted but, but quite refined and yeah the 35 year old has, has been proving very popular with, with people I've been uh, sharing a tasting with of recently. Listen to the sound, the, the three of them, the three kind of rare ones you're talking about there sound incredible. So it's Scotland's oldest working distillery, am I right in saying that? Yes you're absolutely right, yeah. So could you tell us just a wee bit about the history of the distillery? So we, we embarked on a, a history project actually when the new owners took hold of the distillery because up until 2020, if you like, we were, we were known as Scotland's oldest working distillery since 1775. Now we understood that there was a lot more history to uncover pre-1775 but to be honest, it had never really been investigated that, that thoroughly. Um, the focus and attention um, wasn't really on the history and heritage of Glen Turret um, as the previous company. So we embarked on that project and we uncovered um, several really interesting key pieces of history, one of which was fundamental to our claim as 1763 as Scotland's oldest working distillery. And that was our rental document. And it was a rental document found in the National Archives of Scotland. You can go and see it in Edinburgh. And it pertains to the then known Thurit distillery, T-H-U-R-O-T. And that derived from the Gallic word Thurid, which meant land of the rushing stream. And in 1763, um, that rental document tells us we didn't pay rent in that year. And the reason we didn't pay rent, as it details on the document, is that we had lain waste for several years prior. So uh, we know there is more history to uncover, because to lay waste for several years prior, you have to be there in the first place. Um, so we know there is more history, but we're confident in the fact that we have a primary source from 1763 um, that, that, that lays our claim quite confidently as Scotland's oldest working distillery. And at that point, we were well, the founding family of the distillery, the, the, the people who actually built the distillery and tenanted it out. They were the, the Murray clan um, or the, the, the Murray family, a very prominent family at the time. I believe some of them were the generals to the Duke of Wellington. They were the landowning sort of baronial um, family, the Ochtertyre estate. They sort of took hold of the distillery and, and, and born it so if you like and then from there we we've went through various feasts famines and floods if you like um but what what's really important about glen turret is that it's always been seen as as, as being an, an important place for people to purchase a distillery through various years it's it's always people who have bought the distillery who have the ambition to drive it forward and I mean, I firmly believe that um, if it wasn't for several of the owners through our history, um, including some of the most recent ones, 
Um, for example, the, the Fairley family in the 1950s who resurrected the distillery from its sort of slumber post-war um, efforts and prohibition in America, if it wasn't for them, we, I wouldn't be here speaking to you now. So for us, it's very much about that respecting the history and the heritage, that, because that's what put you where you are now. I would I would go on to say that, you know, we're, as, as, as the, the whole team that works at the distillery now, we're merely almost like custodians of the distillery now. I mean, we're here now in 100 years hopefully we wouldn't still be working at the distillery but if we do our job correctly now then the distillery we hope will still be thriving enough so history and heritage is hugely important to us so for example you know we found another interesting story in our, our sort of uh, search for for information that we had a female worker in the 1860s um, her name was grace gow um, which in itself is quite unusual um, to have a, a female working in a distillery in the 1860s but i'm very proud of the fact that we, we uncovered that information but grace very free spirit she was in charge of the fermentation but unfortunately um, it takes a slight macabre turn and that Grace went into one of the fermentation vats a little bit too early um, and she succumbed to um, carbon dioxide um, uh, so she passed away but the local newspaper um, seen it fit to document the fact that she passed away whilst working at the distillery which was a real testament to the, the community's sense of importance for Grace and of course the distillery felt that she was a very important part of her history too so yeah there's, there's, there's various parts of history that are fascinating about the distillery. No, and it's, I mean, it's, I can't emphasise this enough to the people that are listening, is just, it is an incredible part of the world, to be honest with you, to, to, to visit. Another thing that you are really kind of working quite a lot on, or re- really hard on, has been in the sustainability aspect of the distillery. Could you maybe kind of just kind of tell us a wee bit about what you have been doing there as well? So, sustainability is, a, is an overarching sort of statement. Sustainability in, in, in the whisky industry is is hugely important. We, we are a, a large user of energy and, and raw materials, and we have to try and do our very, very best to understand that a little bit more and our impact um, generally and then try and reduce our impact on the environment wherever we can. It's almost our duty, really. Um, and there's a lot of distilleries who, including ourselves, are trying to, to, to take those positive steps and have been for quite some time. So at the distillery, we've we've invested um, quite heavily um, in improving uh, and reducing our energy usage. We introduced a new mash tun last year, which has reduced our water consumption for, ma- for a mash by... by over a third which is is incredible and um, we're very happy with that so of course you know water being the, the kind of one of the very many precious resources on this planet we need to try and reduce as much as our usage as we can so the fact that we were able to uh, secure the investment from our new owners and, and, and introduce a new mash tun makes us a little bit more efficient uh, in terms of water use it also reduces the time that it takes for a mash and we've increased the throughput of barley through the mash so that's a kind of trifold improvement we also as part of the same process or same same timings if you like we introduced a, a, a preheating system for the wash so after the fermentation process when you've got that sort of strong beer type wash um, it goes out to a heating system that uses the residual heat from previous distillations and it therefore heats that up to I think at the moment it's coming in at about high 70s sort of low 80 80s in terms of degrees Celsius so you're therefore expelling much less energy uh, to heat up your, your stills for distillation. So again I think by 20, the end of 2023 we were looking to be at about a 33% reduction on our energy consumption across the whole site um, and I think by July we were sitting at about 27% reduction. So we've been we've been awarded a couple of accolades recently for sustainability. Um, we were given the Green Tourism Award and we 
also were um, very humbled to receive the uh, positive luxury butterfly mark. So that's, um, they come in and they do basically reviews of your entire processes and they look to give you advice on how you can become more sustainable. Everything from using sustainable packaging material um, to looking at like of course water usage, energy usage etc. So yeah we're, we're really trying to take as many positive steps forward as we can. We understand that of course to, to, to reach very ambitious targets you have to really have a, a site-wide commitment to sustainability. So we have a, a couple of colleagues now who are um, just at the ending process now of, of drawing up a, a Glen Turrets a global sustainability program um, and that's everything from you know from the travel we use to the companies we work with you know so it's almost like a two or three tiered system but trying to do as much as we can is is, is the goal um, and yeah we, we welcome the fact that as an industry we are making very positive moves towards um, reducing our impact on our, on our lovely planet. No listen that I, I, absolutely I want to commend you there to be honest with you and also, there is a small matter of he's having a Michelin-starred restaurant called Lalique on site as well. Could you tell us about that? So, the the two owners of the distillery, um, just to, to, to kind of point that out, one of them is Silvio Denz, who is the executive chairman of the Lalique group. Um, and the other gentleman is Hans-Jörg Viss, who is a Swiss-American entrepreneur, philanthropist, um, he supports worldwide oceanographic charity, etc, etc. So they do have previous uh, extensive experience of, of taking what, what we would possibly call as his, history-laden heritage property and turning it into something quite spectacular. So the restaurant was always going to be part of the plan at Glen Turret. It just so happened that we were ready to launch the restaurant just as the world was kind of closing down um, during COVID and, and the, the pandemic. And we, we, we pushed forward and we opened the restaurant in 2021 because with all the entire team, the senior management team in particular, had done an incredible amount of work to make it happen. I mean, we effectively stripped back the, the upstairs part of the restaurant where the cafe used to be um, and we built it back from foundations. And it, it was an incredible thing to, to go through and see that transformation. But we opened the restaurant in 2021. Sorry, I digress. I do that a lot. No, no. Can you tell us about it? It's, it's a massive interest i'm sure to everybody listening so we opened the restaurant in 2021 and um, i'm delighted to say that seven months later we were awarded our first michelin star so we are in fact the the only distillery in the world that, that does have a michelin star uh, restaurant on site so we're we're incredibly proud of the the whole entire team in the restaurant everyone from front of house to back of house that we're they do an incredible job working at that that high level dining level is is extremely pressurized and of course they they just they make it look just like a, a, a stride along the road. So we're, we're, we are incredibly lucky to have a, a hugely valuable skill set in the restaurant. And it's, 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 it's amazing, really. I mean, if you'd have asked me five years ago, um, would I be sitting, um, you know, hosting visitors in our, in our beautiful sort of Michelin dining setting, I would have said, I'm not sure that's possible. However, it just goes to show that, you know, the hard work, the dedication of the entire team, anything is possible. So yeah, long live long it continue and we're thankful for, for all the, the positive press that we've had surrounding people's experiences at the distillery and, and the, the, the the restaurant and yeah it's just it just makes a, a wonderful place to work if I'm honest. To be honest with you you should all be commended because that is a big 
plus to sell Scotland as well. I mean, at distillerytools.scot, nobody was more delighted when we heard that you said one a, a Michelin star. And we've watched um, very carefully with the progress that's, that's been made over the last number of years at Glenturret. But to have that, then you're actually kind of, not just speaking to a whiskey audience, you're actually speaking to a foodie audience as well. Because people travel the world to actually visit Michelin starred restaurants. And there is probably no many Michelin starred restaurants set in such beautiful surroundings as the one is Lalique, which is, 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 is actually situated at Glenturret Distillery. So no, I think a, a massive round of applause for you all, to be honest. No, well, thank you for that. It's very kind of you to say. We're, you know, again, we're incredibly lucky that the two owners of the distillery seen the, the opportunity to, to purchase the distillery and, and really go on that journey with us. Um, and I, yeah, it's it's an incredible place to be if you haven't been there or before. Please do come and visit us. I mean, I've driven that little road um, round to the distillery for almost nine years really and every time I drive it it doesn't matter how many times I do it you, you get a feeling of significance because you know you're, you're standing in history almost and you know we're very as I say I mean in fear of repeating myself we're very lucky to be part of the team that have came through that transition and seen the, the, the differences and the smiles on people's faces when they've eaten in the restaurant or when they've had a flight and a tour around the distillery and it's just for us it's, it's amazing and it's, it's hugely valuable to us to get that feedback and and to see people enjoying what it, what we are working so hard to, to to provide as an experience you know and if my memory serves me correctly and i could be wrong here actually you can actually get a michelin star potato scone or is that a deconstructed potato scone <laughs> so our head chef mark donald and his team they they're they are incredible at what they do um and the creativity that comes out of that kitchen is it's amazing so yeah they're they're he does his take um on a, a potato scone um i'm not going to give too much away about it because if any of the listeners do or come up to the restaurant or have been already they'll know but i don't want to sort of uh, spoil the surprise if that's uh, acceptable with you but there there is some uh, some some pretty outstanding things happening at the Glenturrit Elite restaurant Listen, it sounds incredible. Now, a couple of questions for you as well, Jamie. One of them, what would your advice would you give to somebody that's just coming to Whiskey Hood, wants to find out more about it, but is maybe kind of just starting that journey? What would you say to them? Okay, this may be slightly controversial, um, but what I would say is try everything uh, responsibly. Um, of course, always drink responsibly. However, don't be afraid to um, find and uh, discover what you don't like and what you do like. Take notes, because if you're anything like me, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. So take notes and then try and equate what you like to perhaps a, a style or a particular cask type or a flavour profile. And then from there, you can sort of branch off into different directions and see where you end up. Don't let anybody tell you to drink your whiskey in a particular way. Um, if you're purchasing a bottle of whiskey or you're gifted a sample bottle, you drink the whiskey however you like. There is no whiskey police. There are a lot of whiskey industry people who will perhaps say, oh, you can't do this or you should drink it like this. What I would say to that is do whatever you want. Um, it's your discovery. It's your journey. Um, if you don't like whiskey yet, you've not tried enough of them. So put some more effort <laughs> in um, and you will get there. You'll find something that suits your palate. And if somebody says that they don't like or they don't smell what you smell, that there's no right or wrong answer. Tasting notes are all subjective. We're all different people. So enjoy the journey. Ask questions. 
visit distilleries, read articles, follow the podcast, watch videos on YouTube. There's a wealth of information out there that, that can make you a very, very informed person about the subject. And if you're anything like me, once you start going down that rabbit hole, you will find yourself reading articles that you had no idea about before you started that whiskey journey. So enjoy yourself. Most importantly, don't be afraid to come up and talk to us at trade events or shows or if you see us out and about, connect with us on social media. We're all very friendly people and, you know, we're a very supportive and helpful industry. So, yeah, we're here to, to try and help um, you to, to discover what it is you enjoy and to, to look at what, how perhaps one distillery does things differently. So, so yeah, relax about it. Don't take it too seriously. No, listen, I think that's, that's, that's great advice. And it's actually at this time in the podcast, Jamie, that I'm, I'm going to ask you. I think, I think you know, you're, you're absolutely brilliant. It's been a, an absolute delight speaking to you. That's oh, my pleasure. And uh, so tonight, when you go home, you're gonna you kick back, you're you're you finished your work, you've, you've had your dinner. So what what's gonna be in your glass tonight, Jamie? What are you gonna pour yourself? So if I can get away with it, I would probably have two drams. Yeah, listen, you can have two. That's absolutely perfect. I would usually my my in-laws are here at the moment. Um, so my father-in-law and I like to sit of an eve and just enjoy a wee dram. Um, he's on that whiskey discovery journey at the moment. So the two of us at the moment have been rather enjoying um, the Glenter at seven years old. It's still uh, for me. It just it's just everything I want. So probably a Glenter at seven years old um, for that slightly smoky kind of mapley bacon, slight sweetness um, and kind of chunky dram. I would with that um, but he also brought me a bottle of uh, Yamazaki Distillers Reserve sounds incredible we I know I know what a terrible father-in-law he is um, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we we may well enjoy one of those this evening and um, that fresh kind of slightly herbaceous um, sort of green notes come through from that quite floral and delicate so kind of uh, aye, that's probably what would be in my glass to be honest it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you on distillerytools.scot podcast I, I'd just like to thank you um, very much for your time. If anybody wants to find out anything else, go to distillerytours.scot and click on Glen Turret's link and that'll tell you all about visiting Glen Turret and there's also a, a book now button that you can actually click on and it'll take you through to Glen Turret's website where you can actually book a tour. Jamie, I would just like to say thanks very much for, for, for all your time. No problem. And I will uh, speak to you soon. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you very much for, for giving me the opportunity. Um, I love what I do. Wouldn't change it for the world. And it's always great to speak to like-minded individuals like yourself and your listeners. So yeah, you guys do a great job. Um, and thank you again. Um, take care of yourself. You too, mate. Thank you. Hi there, and thanks for listening to the October edition of DistilleryTools.scot podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to be the first person to actually get the opportunity to listen to the podcasts, sign up to our monthly newsletter at www.distillerytools.scot forward slash sign up and I just it just leaves it for me to say thanks very much for listening and I hope to speak to you again soon. Take care. Bye bye.